Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I am joined today, and as always, by my friend, my business partner, Mr. Jason. I was going to add something else in there, but decided against it <laughs> mid mid sentence. Sounded like an on the fly edit. It so, was. Yes. It was. I should rely on my garage band skills for editing. Uh, let's just assume you could say, I'm the most handsome man I know, and then just shoo, go right into it. And the most handsome man I know, Matt Damon. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is one of the very few times in my life I do not want to be Matt Damon. So <laughs> <laughs> you should just stop talking and walk away. So. All right. Actually, uh, the person with me right now is Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. <laughs> It's true. I am. <laughs> I cannot be denied. <laughs> so, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. It's the uh, first podcast of 2018. Look it at is. that. I know. And wow. you, know, you know what I thought the best thing to do for 2018? Look. Oh, take a... Take, take a, it backwards? Yeah. Take a step back. To back What's it up. classic thing? Back, back it up. up. That's your classic <laughs> thing, yes. <laughs> yeah. Back it up and, and take a look back at 2017 and do a little year in review podcast. Okay. Okay. Do you have anything in mind to start us off? <laughs> no. Check your your large book of notes there. Uh, I've got see yeah. what we're gonna go back to. <laughs> I've got no notes. I've only got what's in my head. And oh no, that that's that's a pretty empty space. <laughs> no, it's uh, chock full. It's just you know you never know what you're gonna find. <laughs> Mostly Big Lebowski quotes. Mostly Big Lebowski quotes. Some Homer quotes. Every time I learn something new, it pushes some old stuff out of my brain. Well, one that immediately springs to mind for me, was the beginning of this entire enterprise. When mm-hmm. we flew to Scotland, mm-hmm. we celebrated the opening of David Sturck's new tasting room, bottling area, mm-hmm. uh, tasted a whole bunch of great casks with him and oh, yes. former bottlings of his. Yeah. And uh, we sat on the couch in his tasting room on a cold Sunday afternoon. And did a very short interview with him. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little nervous. Were you nervous? I was nervous. I had no idea what was about to happen, I think, is the reality of it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) No idea how we were going to even run the podcast around it. But getting him, as I have come to learn in 2017, getting him on wax wax, was, was the important aspect of that. Yeah. And you and I have talked behind the scenes that the next time we see David, we'd like to sit down and, and interview him again, this time maybe knowing a little bit more of what we're doing. Well, yeah, yeah, that's... that's <laughs> Give what, him a little more chance to speak. That's why I was kind of nervous, because we knew we wanted to create a podcast. We didn't know what the format would be or how we would uh, incorporate the interview into the podcast and it wasn't until after recording our interview with him and then after you and I or or while you and I were recording our audio for it where you had said well why don't we 
why don't we incorporate snippets of the interviews and we'll sort of talk around them and talk about that. So, wow, that's a really, that's a really smart idea. I think it's just hilarious that we went into it knowing we want to do it. We don't know how the hell to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that was the excitement of launching the podcast. And, and in 2017, we've had a, a few people reach out to us to say, thinking about starting our own podcast. Mm. Uh, enjoy listening to yours. Do you have any advice? And not really is the answer. Um, but, but, if, but if there's one piece of advice, it's if you've got the interest to do it, just give it a start and see how it works. Um, you, you and I talk often that we listen to a lot of podcasts yeah. and not, not everybody cracked it from the beginning. And it's really the norm to, to build your format as you're recording it and publishing it and, and listening back to your own stuff. Mm -hmm. It's very, very rare. And the one that you and I always come back to, Hello from the Magic Tavern. Oh, yeah. Cr cracked it from the first minute of the first episode. Yeah. Yep. Nailed it's it. amazing. You know, there are a hundred some episodes in now uh, putting out a, a weekly podcast. And it's just been perfect from the very, very beginning. Every time. Yeah. Uh, even, to, even to the point where one of my absolute favorite episodes is their third episode. <laughs> <laughs> which, which yeah. Right? Which for a lot of podcasts, it, and I'm sure we're included in that, you're just getting your feet wet. You're starting to see if you can do this. You're starting to see how much of a time dump editing is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, the, the joke that we've made during the podcast this year is, you know, you and I can record for three and four hours and put down a one hour episode. Yeah. You know, yeah. what, one and a half hours once you include the interview. So it, it's a lot of time. And that's why I've said to people, if you've got the interest, mm -hmm. go for it. See what it does. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe it's not going to work for you. Maybe it will. But you won't know until you've just gone for it. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. And, and here we are, you know, looking a, a full year in the face, which is amazing. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you could have said it any, any better. The only thing that I would add to it is you, if you want to give it a try, understand that you will, in a way, so long as you're okay with it, is be a bit of a slave to it. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. You need, yeah, we we haven't yeah. we haven't really done the record four podcasts in a row because you know you're not gonna you know be in front of your computer for a couple of months, uh, but we have certainly done it where we've recorded in hotel rooms. You've edited on planes. Oh yeah, uh, we've had maybe one day in a week where we can both jump on this for three hours, yeah. and that's exactly what we've done. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's never far away from our minds. Uh, you know, here we are on winter break recording the podcast for uh, the beginning of 2018. So, yeah, yeah, that that's that's a really good point. I, I don't think we would be able to do any of this if we just didn't seek out those tiny little time slots. You no, know, and, and, and I said it to you over text the other day. Like, I, I thank you most sincerely for your editing work on this, where if this was in my lap, we would not have a podcast. That's true. And, and so, and so I, I really do thank you most sincerely. On any given week, you can spend three hours editing this. 
Um, right. Yeah. Maybe for our listeners, it doesn't sound like that. But there's a lot, a lot of editing goes on. And, and one of the things that I say to you after most every recording session is do with that what you will. I really don't recall what gets committed to wax over those multiple hours. And so I don't get upset when I think, oh, some of my best lines were left on the editing room floor. It's much more, that's a fantastic episode. Well done, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I thank American Airlines um, (laughs) for allowing me the time to sit on their planes and uh, uh, give me a space in which to... Edit. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the room. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's hard, and, and looking back, it's hard to say somebody was a favorite, mm-hmm. um, because I think we had some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people commit their time uh, to being interviewed for the podcast. Um, but in in looking back, was there? Was there a, an interview that you recall that either just went swimmingly or you touched on some stuff that you didn't think would be touched on? Is there an interview from 2017 that really stands out uh, in your mind? Well, I think, I think I've got two that stand out and, and two for very different reasons. Um, the first one that stands out for me, and this one stands out because I feel like we hit our stride a little bit, just like you had said, you know, you've got podcasts that are figuring out what they're doing. And then there's this one episode where you see, okay, they've got a lock and now it's just going to build from there. And I think it was our Mark Watt episode. Okay. Isn't that around our episode three? That was episode four. Okay. Yeah, Mark okay. Watt was episode four. And yeah, I I I just I enjoyed the conversation. I, I thought that um you you took over a good part of the, the interview in a in a really cool way. And I got to understand your interview style, which I liked and continue to like. And and from an editing standpoint, I just, I just quite enjoyed it. I, I think if I recall, and again, we don't go back and research anything, so I'm just going back to memory and hoping that what I'm saying is right or is correct. <clears throat> but if I recall, that episode was the one where I started incorporating a, a few more little sound clips, little flavoring, if you will, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to help, you know, keep the lightness of yeah. the podcast there. Yeah, and, and it certainly is one of those tricky things in, in starting, you know, what we call an industry podcast and how buttoned up should that be. Mm-hmm. And, and clearly there are plenty of moments when we go a little bit off color. Uh, there are clearly moments when you do put in those little spicy edits uh, where we get a chuckle or a song and and I do. I, I think in that editing, you've really captured how we conduct ourselves in the industry, hmm. which is we can, we can be geeky, we can be focused, uh, we can be deeply interested in minutia, and we can have a laugh and we can make a dick joke. 
Yeah. And <laughs> it's it's all rolled up into one. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, coming out of your blog, which was much more along those lines, um, I think we've been able to roll that into our industry personas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the feedback we get from people is we really like how you do whiskey and we like the fact that you don't take it or yourselves too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that that's really, really wonderful to hear. And the, as always, that people on the outside are able to pick up what we're laying down. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Picking up what we're laying down. You like that. Yeah. Um, so then, so number two, so Mark Watt, and then you had a second one for a very different reason. So I'm just thinking of our guests and it's, it's Eddie Russell. You know, we've, we've, uh, we've, we've had him on the podcast twice and we've, between those two times, have spent hours with him and, mm-hmm. and he's just the kind of guy that I would want to spend, you know, I'd love to go camping with him and, and just hang out with him. He's just such a cool, chill guy. And, and I really, especially this last time we were with him and and this didn't show up on the podcast but we were talking about Matthew McConaughey and and how Matthew was there a little bit before Thanksgiving and he worked with them basically to deliver a turkey to each and every family um you know in Lawrenceburg is it Lawrenceburg yeah Lawrenceburg and um and he started talking about Matthew he respected that he was a family man, you mm-hmm. know, and he, it just, it, it really speaks to who Eddie is, the type of person he is. And I respect the hell out of him and enjoy the hell out of his, you know, the time that he spent with us. And so just an overall experience of interviewing someone or spending time with someone, it's, I think it's Eddie. Yeah. So those are those are two fantastic suggestions and you you stole the Eddie Russell one from me so I'm gonna insert the one that I thought you were gonna have as your second one so so one of my very favorites was somebody that we were able to to get on wax Mm -hmm. who we've had many 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 wonderful conversations with uh, which is the the inimitable whiskey geek master distiller Matthew Hoffman at Westland yes Yes, 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 yes. Getting to geek out and nerd out with him in the the boardroom, for want of a better term, at Westland Distillery mm-hmm. was magnificent. That was a goal for me when we talked about starting a podcast, yeah. uh, an industry podcast. I desperately wanted to get him um, on wax being as as geeky as he always is Mm -hmm. and i thought that was very successful and we got a lot of great feedback on that where people said okay now i see where the geek level resides on this podcast (laughs) you're not just using that term loosely um and so i i really really uh, appreciated and enjoyed that one and then the second one i thought this is the one you were going to have as your second uh was a a big chance that we took on wandering a little bit away from the whiskey world but but connecting the dots with Garth Ennis. Oh, yeah. And the Garth Ennis interview was 
one where you, well, you and I, for our, our little kind of interjecting parts, took a step back mm-hmm. and just let your interview with him in the studio in New York just play out. Yeah. And and as we discussed, uh, certainly off air and, and potentially we'll discuss it on air at some point, the amount of heavy lifting Garth mm. did in that interview, he absolutely saw where you were trying to take that interview he saw where the connections were to whiskey. Yeah, yeah, he did. And it was fascinating. And again, feedback from listeners. And again, people who weren't graphic novel fans um, who just said, within 10 minutes, I was spellbound. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't stop listening to that. And just the creative process and the mapping out of a project, mm-hmm. I thought tied Garth writing graphic novels to us selecting whiskey casks, yeah. and and I thought that episode just worked every which way, uh, and so yeah, so that that's not to, you know, in, in mentioning those four, it's not to diminish any of the rest. It's just to say there are there were moments that you and I had in mind or plans that you and I had that came to fruition yeah uh, in those four uh, yeah interviews yeah you know again had i done research ahead of us recording and looked back at at what our various episodes were i really you know i'm thinking on the fly when you ask me what are my favorite ones oh yeah you know um but i think that's the best way to do it though if, if you and i went through the list of episodes they're all our favorites. Yeah. Right. We've only interviewed people that we really like and really enjoy speaking to. Mm-hmm. Right. Robin Robinson immediately comes to mind. Oh yeah. Yeah. As somebody just fascinating and of of great interest. Right. The Hans Offenkart that we just did the other week. Mm-hmm. You know, a wonderful, wonderful episode talking to an absolute gentleman in Europe. Yeah. Um, we if we went through, we would just list everybody and that wouldn't yeah. really answer the question speaking of of the hans Offringa episode mm-hmm. uh really quickly um the amount of feedback that we got when we started discussing something that we did not expect to discuss at all and that was back to the, zappa it, it was zappa and we are back to zappa and you would be back to zappa. <laughs> And you can get away from Zappa that easily. So moving on. Um, so, you know, we did not expect to be talking about the evolution or de-evolution, depending on how you look at it or your stance on it, of whiskey writers informing consumers to then bloggers to then Instagrammers. We got far more feedback on the whole Instagram part of the conversation, much more than I ever had ever expected to yeah. get. And, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. To, 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 no, to say it touched a nerve suggests that that something negative was happening, but but I think it's a conversation that people were ready to be having that they weren't really able to have in in any other place. And I think it's an issue that we'll return to in 2018 mm-hmm. and maybe maybe fill out a larger episode on that. Uh, maybe interview some of the Instagram people we were talking about, ask them their oh, motivations. Yeah. 
You know, you know what I mean? Since since it resonated, I think it's worth us exploring further. Yeah. Well, a common thread through the feedback that we received was, A, it was a great conversation. B, I'd be really interested to know your thoughts on on the YouTubers. And I said, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. And you, you've got a few. Yeah, we never fun. touched that. Right? Yeah. Uh, so it'll be good to, to build out a, a 2018 episode, which includes all that. Yeah, I think that'll be really nice. And I, I know that one of the things I'd started to, to see in some of the feedback was people who were talking about the Instagrammers who also maintain a, an online or more of a a blogging presence mm-hmm. where they are also talking about the notes and the flavors and yeah, yeah. and I know I know I know um, Scotch Trooper uh, has an online site. I know Single Malt Alliance has an online sure. site. Yeah, uh, and so it was clear that that whiskey fans enjoyed being able to go over to their site and read a bit more about the whiskey. And, and as one person said. Uh, more than just pretty pictures. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was a, an interesting take on it. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think it's something we didn't expect to be talking about. And yet here we are exploring it further and seeing, yeah, uh, yeah. see where it lies. Uh, another aspect that, that certainly came out in the feedback that we saw were Instagram influencers and I'm not sure how much I like that term, but it's 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 a generally accepted term, and so I'm using it. Um, I hate that term. It was it, Go on. Yeah, right. It, it was it was important <laughs> to those who comment on their Instagram to receive a response. Yeah. And so the, there was talk of of in, uh, Instagram influencers uh, who respond to every single comment, mm-hmm. and that's you know when you and I talk about building a community, and the way we started building our communities through our blogs and then through our business. Um, that was important to us to have that back and forth. And to this day, you know, at the end of our episodes, when we talk about all the different ways to get in contact with us mm-hmm. and the fact that we're doing a mailbag episode on February 14, um, it's all of this is hugely important yeah. to us. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see those, those highly regarded influencers as the ones who really build a community mm-hmm. around, yeah, you know, nice. their pretty pictures. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I think there's yeah. a lot there, and I, and I think there's a lot of overlap with with what you and I have tried to achieve ourselves online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we move on to the next part of the podcast, yeah. which, which is going to be sandwiched by another sort of looking back, and we'll, okay. t- we'll tease mm-hmm. that out. I love that term. I'll tease that out uh, as we move on. But before we move on to the second of three segments in this episode. Look at us. We say we don't have a plan, but it sounds like we've got a plan. (laughs) Um, Was there any one particular thing that you learned through the podcasting experience that you think back on? Absolutely. I've started to incorporate it into a lot of my own tastings and presentations now. Uh, was just Chris Mabin making the crystal clear point that PPM and barley can manifest itself in numerous ways yeah. through the distillation process. Yeah. Yeah. And and while 
yes, that had always been known to me, and I kind of tangentially mention it in tastings. Now I really attack it face on. Yeah. And yep. talk about PPM and Lagavulin compared to PPM and Kilholman, compared to Kalila, compared to Ardbeg, and how it manifests itself in the distillate based on the size of the still, the line mm-hmm. arm, the height of the fill level, the reflux ball, all of those things I now just attack head on. Yeah. And and really get people to think hard about how they talk about peated whiskies. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that, that that's one that immediately comes to mind. That's great. That's great. I I think about every once in a while something that Robin Robinson had said. Where, I knew you were going to say that because if you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it as a second thing. Oh, geez. Yeah, okay. I, I wonder I wonder if we're going to say the same thing of what he said. It's the house. Uh, it has to be the house. It's the house. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the house where, it to be. you know, you, you need to communicate information on a whiskey and every person is different. And how are you going to break through to that person information where people say, aha, now I get it. And so it, so it's that house, right? And, and, yep. and on top of it, and I, and I think I've always known this, and I think a lot of people know this, is when you're making a purchasing decision, people are quite often buying a story more than they're buying a bottle of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And they want to be able to connect with it. When you're dropping down fifty, sixty, seventy, a hundred dollars, what whatever it is, it has to be more than just good whiskey. And how you're communicating that to the end user. <laughs> a terrible term. But you know, to, to that purchaser, to that consumer, um, could make all the difference in the world. There are some people that, that I think if they don't get the story, they're going to be turned off, but they could be pulled in by that story. And it be, can become a bit life-changing, just like my own journey into whiskey was, was life-changing and in many different ways. So, so yeah, that, that really connected with me. Yeah, I've said it to many people with the, the Tamdu bottle and the Tamdu packaging. Mm-hmm. And I always point out it's a very, very beautiful bottle. The fonts on the label, the shape of the label, the placement of the label are all fantastic. It has won packaging awards. Mm-hmm. And I say to people, I wouldn't be telling you any of this if the whiskey inside wasn't fantastic. Yeah. The, <laughs> it's a bit, to me, like the story of a whiskey. Mm. There's no point telling somebody the story of the whiskey if it's garbage whiskey. Yeah. But if it's great whiskey... Inside, the story can absolutely sing yeah. and resonate yeah. and interest and captivate. But you better make sure it's good juice in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, there's, there's a couple more just that I very quickly want to want to mention. Was speaking with with Mark Watt when we started talking about markets and global markets. Oh, right. And talking, you know, talking to an independent bottler about how they would consider global markets, and 
how much of a cask can go there and how much can go there and the bottling sizes and the label demands. And I, I thought there was a lot of, of interesting considerations when, when we sit in our own particular market and we say, we never got that bottle. I really wish we'd got that bottle. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't just an arbitrary decision that that bottle didn't come to your market. There was a lot going on behind the scenes. So much, yeah. Some of some <laughs> of it being simple logistics of, well, the U.S. has a bottling size, which is 75 CL or 700, 750 milliliters, and the rest of the world, South Africa excluded, uh, is 70 CL or 700 ml. So, okay, well... Exactly. W- Basically, in the end, for the U.S., is what do we have to do that's special for them? Meanwhile, yep. the rest of the of the world is wondering, why is the U.S. getting that one? I I wish I got that. Uh, one. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And we've we've run into a little bit, and we're only trying to duplicate the American market at the moment, where we've had a New York exclusive. We've yeah. had. California, California exclusive. Yeah. As we continue to build markets in the United States, we're going to have releases that don't go to all markets. And it's not because we hate Texas or we hate Florida or what have yeah. you. It's just <laughs> easy. It's uh, you Connecticutians, I tell you, you nutcrackers. Um, it's it's just. The, the the necessities of the business. Yeah. How do you divide two hundred and fifty bottles? <laughs> it's and and make your distributors happy in the markets that are receiving yeah. them. Yeah, it's you not know, easy. Distributors yeah. don't you know, distributors don't want one case of six. You know, they, they want at least eight cases of six, nine cases of six, ten cases of six. Mm-hmm. Right? right, because that's, yeah. that's a quarter of the cask. Right. And <laughs> and and they don't want one case of six. They want eight cases of six because they have their customers yeah. who want the special treatment. And how come they only got some and I didn't get it? You know, so there's it's it's as as the whiskey trickles down our three tiered system, there are a lot of different considerations to be made. <laughs> As it trickles down your leg, and we tell you that it's raining. Um, Is that squeeze? Then, squeeze my lemon. Squeeze, squeeze the lemon. lemon. There you go. I wonder if you know what I'm talking about. The other one for me yeah. um, connects to to something I've always felt and held near and dear to my heart. And talking to to Matthew Hoffman, where he talks about the people, he talks about the barley farmers, uh, he talks about. Ex- Exploring and experimenting mm-hmm. with different strains of barley, mm-hmm. and whereas you had farmers who used the barley really just as a um, kind of a nutrition crop yeah. uh, to enrich your soil, and they would just plow it back under. Um, he's talking about no, we can we can pay good money for these interesting strains of barley. We can support your farm, uh, which in turn supports yeah. your family. Yeah. Um, through whiskey, and I, I, I think that's a fantastic message. Uh, any coopering that's going on, uh, how do you expand the whiskey business? Uh, the whiskey business has contracted so much, and, and by that I mean the the production side of whiskey mm-hmm. has contracted so much uh, over the last fifty years that we don't have on-site cooperages. We don't have 
a team, three teams of men uh, running distilleries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, famously, you get it down to you know nine guys, ten guys, eleven guys uh, can do everything, and it's it's a shame to see the industry contract in such a way. And so, whenever talking to a producer who's looking at giving back to a wider community, mm-hmm. uh, just resonates with me and absolutely uh, makes my heart sing. So nice. uh, that was another takeaway for me in 2017 uh, with Mr. Matthew Hoffman. Uh, that's good. So I thought, Jason, that now, yes, might be, Joshua. <laughs> that now might be a good time to move uh-huh. on to your big idea. Oh, my bit. Oh, that was really your big idea, just between the <laughs> lines of your text. So, so here's what I'd like to do, Joshua. Okay. In the second segment of three mm. in today's podcast. Mm-hmm. Collect them all, yeah. We um, published a, a while ago. I have absolutely no idea which episode it made it into. Um, it might have been when I was uh, delayed in Scotland in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I know it was something that we'd recorded much earlier in the year. But we posted a, a tasting, a selection of uh, Invergordon. We did. Yeah, two different casks of Invergordon. So it was the... I'm calling it the selection. We didn't actually select them, but it was the selection process. And they were ultimately denied. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was episode number <laughs> you reading 13. You're reading a text of... No, no, no. I, I knew you were doing something. I was like, this <laughs> mean, okay. So episode 13 has you and I tasting and uh, rejecting two Invergordon casks. Yeah, yeah. So as we are both looking back in 2017 and looking forward into 2018, and we do wish all of our... Listeners, a very happy new year and wish them all the best for 2018. We have a couple of casts in front of us. We we received a batch of samples from Scotland uh, at the start of the winter break. And um, we're going to sample a a couple of them Mm -hmm. and see if we're going to make a a selection or a rejection. (laughs) I'm hoping, just judging by the nose, I'm hoping that both of these will be selections because I've been nosing them on and off um, and and I've been just taken in by the noses on these. So uh, we have two. We've got a Tamdu from 2007. And this Tamdu, uh, interestingly enough, was extra matured. And for how long, I don't know. We have to find out from, from our broker was extra matured in an ex Koval rye cask. Yeah, that is not something I've seen on any single malts coming out of Scotland. No, not at all. So, you know, starts off its life in in ex bourbon and then is transferred to a 30 gallon ex rye cask. So, so that's going to be interesting. And then the other one is a 2004 single cask from a very famous distillery located in Orkney. And, yeah. (laughs) A very famous Orkney distillery that does not begin with S. It does not begin with S. 
Oh, that reminds me, Jason, when we visit Scotland uh, in January, we have yes, to make sure that we park our car uh, by the Highland. <laughs> That's tortured. <laughs> park our car by the Highland. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what, you, what you'd be better off saying is when we stop in Elgin, and we leave our car. Yeah. Can we consider that a Highland Park? Oh, right. Yes, you're much better at this than I am. And it's not much better, but it's yeah. what we've got to work with. So. <laughs> so as we were saying, the second one will be uh, a whiskey from a distillery in Orkney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's let's... Let's go on with this this first one. So it's 2007 Tamdu. Uh, its current strength is 61.6% alcohol. And off the bat, I mean, the thing that I've been getting out of this is it's it's like nosing a glass full of ripe melons, not sweater yeah. melons, just just regular melons. <laughs> Hello, is this thing on? No. <laughs> Just to make sure we got that. Okay. Um, I've got candy necklaces, candy watches. Oh yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that... So uh, this sort of lighter, sweet, lighter, intense sweetness to it. There's also there's also something that I pull out of my fridge and I cannot, for the life of me, identify it. But it's it's a fecund note that comes out of my fridge. A what note? Fecund? Is that like a fecunda? F-E-C-E-U-N-D? F-E-C-E-U-N-D? F-E-C-U-N-D. F-E-C-U-N-D. Can you let me know what that word means, if it's going to be the word of the podcast? <laughs> Can you let me know what that fecunda word means? <laughs> fecund is like a, like a green, uh, kind of a, a new born a new growth kind of note oh interesting yeah there's some maltiness coming through too which i quite like do you get much of the coval influence on the nose i'm not quite sure what i can say is i've had a few different young ex-bourbon tam dews and this one seems just much juicier yeah agreed wholeheartedly yep yeah, and I've I've been saying that to people on my travels. Um, when Ian McLeod took over the Tamdu Distillery, and they went through all their casts in the warehouse, all of the bourbon hit the open market. And yeah, in in twenty sixteen seventeen, we saw a flood of Tamdu bourbon coming to us from brokers, mm-hmm. and we sampled a lot and we selected none. Selected none um, at all. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I could see where a, a re-racking might uh, might have been called for. Well, yeah, and this I want to put this out there too because, and maybe this can be an early misconception, but there there are a lot of people that would say, and we may have talked about this before, uh, but there are a lot of people uh, slash companies. I think they would tell you. They've finished a whiskey to enhance its flavors. And typically that's not true. They've finished a whiskey because they're looking to fix something. Uh, 
<laughs> and, well, that and, sounds very honest, Joshua. Well, yes. And, you know, if you, if you look at a lot of the casks that we've seen on the open market, there are a lot of refill casks, right? Mm-hmm. And so you could have some really great refill casks, but sometimes they need a little work. Uh, kind of like our 28-year-old canvas, right, that we put into Muscatel for the -hmm. final six months of its life. In bourbon, it was doing one really great thing. But it needed some sprucing up. So we put it in Muscatel, and then it becomes this cotton candy, orange, gumdrop, you know, delicious vanilla bomb. Yeah, that has been my my go-to party delivery bottle. So showing up at friends' houses and uh, pouring that, yeah. and it's some of the other the other day called it velvet, Ooh. velvet in a glass. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So so when we got this sample, we did not put this whiskey into an ex Coval cask. The broker did, and if if our previous experiences. With all the other ex-bourbon tamdus we've had ring true here, this was put into a cask to to enhance it, to to fix it, because it really wasn't doing a lot. Yeah, which is interesting, because I wouldn't think, you keep talking about the melon notes and the big juicy quality to it, I wouldn't think putting it in a 30-gallon ex-coval cask would do those things to it. I think that would give you a, a burst of color, I think it would give you maybe a a, a burst of tannins, uh, if one can have a burst of tannins. Um, yeah, and it certainly gives you that kind of that green wood. And I wonder if the fecundity that I was talking about is coming from the thirty gallon barrel re rack. Well, it could be, but we don't know what Koval put the rye in it, right? Because you've got tannins that are water soluble. So if they put their rye distilled in at a lower ABV, some of that extra tannin could have been pulled out. And hence, we're getting some of these juicier flavors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it certainly passes the nose test, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. is which is stage one of our tasting. Yeah. So will we, will we progress to the, the yeah, mouth yeah, test? Yeah, I think we have to. Thinking back to our Invergordon, as you're tasting this, I'll, I'll talk about this. Thinking back to our Invergordon episode, you know, for the sake of the episode, we tasted each whiskey. But if I recall, neither of the whiskeys in that particular episode really passed the nose test. We were like, yes, we have to try this. Yeah, one of them One of them did at a push, but yeah, a push, we, weren't, yeah. we weren't falling over ourselves to put it in our mouth, mm. which... Maybe it was the story of my 2017. Um, yeah, I've, I've done my first sip just to, to clear out the, the palate. Mm. And you've done your first sip. I'm going for my second sip, which is my tasting sip. Yeah. You go ahead and do that. So what we generally do here when we taste our casks, we nose it. We look for interesting notes. We look for a story to be found within that whiskey. And then we taste it once just to get it over our palate, just to get our palate 
acclimatized. Yeah, acclimatized uh, to what we could be tasting. We don't really pay attention to the notes or we try not to. Sometimes it's difficult not to. But then that second tasting really lets us know, okay, how is it connecting with the nose? So you've now had your second sip. I'm going to go in for mine. I do. And and one of the things we always explore is after we've had that second sip, what does the tasting of it do to the nose of it? Mm -hmm. And as I return to the nose, yes, I get that fruit that you're talking about, that that kind of that melon quality. I also get a little bit of Dunnage Warehouse to it, getting a little bit of that that damp earthen floor, a little bit of those cold stone walls with a bit of black fungus on it. Yeah. Yep. There's a floral element to it as well. Well, it's interesting you say that because I I get more of the Koval rye influence on the palate. Yeah. Yep. Than I did on the nose. And I think the rye is manifesting as a floral rather than as a spice. Yeah. Yep. Wow. It's a um, drinker. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. On the palate, I mean, especially after that first sip. So on the second sip, that's where I really try to pay attention to the mouthfeel. And this is a really mouth-coating whiskey. It's 61.6% alcohol. It's holding its alcohol incredibly well. A little custardy on the palate. Mm-hmm. As I'm on first sip and I'm building some flavors there, definitely a bit of the... Almost, you know, creme brulee. Creme brulee or flan. Right. Yeah. But then around that creaminess, I'm starting to get some of the spice building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I'm just trying to determine, is it spice from the rye or is it kind of a prickle from the 61.6? No. I you know, think, how, yeah. You know, but, the question becomes for us often in cast selection is, how does the alcohol manifest itself? Mm-hmm. And when we then go on to taste things and people say, oh, 61.6, that's hot. And we've talked about this previously. Is the heat coming from the alcohol? Is the heat coming from a cinnamon flavoring? Yeah. You know, flavor yeah. from a you know, cask influence? In, in this case, is that spice coming from the rye? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you said creme brulee, because <laughs> I, w- I was thinking flan, but as soon as you said creme brulee, I got some of that spun sugar that you sometimes get. Um, mm. Which I think connects beautifully to the candy necklaces and candy watches yeah, that I yeah. was talking about on the nose as well. There, there are, there's certainly a thread running through this that we always look for in our cast mm-hmm. selections. Wow. Yeah, going back to the nose, and it's it's a bit more... It's not as juicy as it was. There's a bit more of that sort of brown baking spice kind of thing going on there. Maybe even a little baker's chocolate. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's always interesting to me that we can sit here sharing with our listeners that in the course of, you know, a five-minute tasting here, a seven-minute tasting, we may very well spend, you know, I don't know the pricing on this cask, but we may very well spend 10 grand on this cask. <laughs> that we're just mm-hmm. sitting here chatting away, informing the listeners, and then we'll write a large check for it. What do you think of the Probably finish the on this one? Here. It's, it's a frontal finish. I'm not getting this in the the way back of my throat. No. I'm not getting it deep in my chest. Um, I think it returns to the fruitiness yeah. that you talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, 
the spice diminishes. It's not in my throat. It's definitely a finish that remains on my palate. Yeah. You? Yeah, same here. Really, interestingly enough, it really stays mid-palate. And that fruitiness returns. And, and now we're looking at, like, incredibly ripe pear, right? A little bit of cinnamon, which I think connects to that. Is that heat we're getting spice or is it alcohol heat? And I think it, I think it is a spice heat. Hint of white pepper. Oh, uh, uh, cocoa butter. Basically white chocolate note across the mid palate. And it, it sticks with you nicely just in a way, in a weird spot. Yeah. It, given that Tamdu is, is known so much for its sherry maturation it's hard to look at this and 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 know whether this is a good representation of the house style <laughs> well it's yeah. tamdu in ex bourbon followed by ex coval rye <laughs> it's you know one of the things yeah. we've talked about as as an independent bottler is that peak behind the curtain mm-hmm. this, this is this is a peak behind i don't even know what this this is just what would to, what would tamdu be if you stuck it in bourbon followed by Koval Rye. Yeah. Well, the spirit is damn good. Um, so it's got that going for it. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's if we were to bottle this and and I'm leaning heavily toward yes. Spoiler alert. Uh, it's We're not bottling it because it is that shining example of Tamdu. We're bottling it because it's a shining example of... A really good ten-year-old cask of whiskey. Yeah, just a really interesting, different kind of experience. Yeah, I'm torn between is this retail or is this special projects division? You know, this is so wiggity whack that leaving this to reside in the world of retail, I'm not sure how good a job it would do. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But I think the story may be too large for retail. And Correct. there's the, there'll be a small enough number of bottles we're Correct. selling it in special projects division. And it sounds like a special project. Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah, I don't think this reflects what we're trying to achieve in the retail realm. No, no. So you were saying that you are leaning heavily towards yes on this. I agree with you, but I think the consideration for us is single cast nation retail or single cast nation online special projects division. Yeah. And I don't think this reflects what we're trying to achieve in the retail realm, but I think it fits absolutely perfectly under special projects division. Online, everything yeah. we've just everything we've just said about this cask is Tam doing ex bourbon, which we've seen a lot of that online, but um it definitely fits. Special projects division online, Tam doing ex bourbon, like we said, a lot of those hit the open market. None of them have been seen in ex Koval rye casks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the story is is a bit too big. 
so it, it it needs a place to live where you can really read about it and and make your decisions online after having read about it where you go to a, a, a store and you're grabbing a bottle and I know what our bottles look like. We both know what our bottles look like in uh, in the carton. It's just going to say single cast nation, Tamdu 10 year old. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to physically take the bottle out of the box, look at the side of the label and see and get the rest of the details. And I don't think, I think it'll just work far better online too. And not that, uh, so backing up a little bit. Back it up. I think my decision on bottling this turned into a yes about the fourth sip in. So I just want to be clear about what I'm saying about this. I'm not saying yes because I've we've now figured out how to tell that story and let's no. put it online. I'm saying yes because no, yes, it's not. a yes, but now where does it belong? And Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that, that is, that's one of those privileges that we now have in, in 2017, now going into 2018, is that we have the online, we have the retail. Yeah. Um, some stores we know do an amazing job of selling the independent bottled single caster on their shelves. Oh, yeah. And we know that some stores allow them to sell themselves. Right. You mm-hmm. go to that store, you know, they bring in the good stuff, but you might not necessarily have a conversation with anybody. Yeah. And that would be the part for us where this doesn't reflect single cast nation retail. Mm-hmm. Those bottlings are more standalone. They don't need Jason and Joshua hand selling them. The Tam do for a special projects division yeah. allows us that a full hands on experience where we get to control the narrative, mm-hmm. we get to know what our members like, we get to emphasize the spice on the palate. It just puts us more in charge of that release. Yeah. At the end of the day, crack and juice is going to be oh, in the yeah, bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting experience. Yeah. And it's a peek behind something. Even if it's not the classic Tamdu curtain, it's a peek behind something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to finally be bottling a Tamdu, too. I... I I'd love that distillery into We've looked long and hard yep. and we were very happy with this one and we stand behind this one. So yeah. Cheers to that selection. Cheers. <laughs> Do you remember quick uh, <laughs> that didn't sound great. Do you remember the very first Tamdu we tasted for a potential single cast nation release? Maybe. It was a nineteen eighty four Tamdu. Uh-huh. This was in our first trip to Scotland, and you know you put it in glass straight straight out the cask. You put it in glass, and you nose it, and it is this massive fruit bomb that almost reminds you of seventies Ben Riach, right? Like nineteen seventy six Ben Riach. It was in that tropical fruit salad realm, and it was doing. Everything good old whiskey in bourbon should do, which is bright, fresh, a little bit of oak, fruity, draws you in. And then we go to take a sip, and it was thin and dusty and just, oh, gosh. It was such a terrible cask because it, it was a tease. It was the biggest tease. And I still remember it to this day as probably the biggest tease of all the casks we've ever had. 
put in front interesting. of interesting yeah interesting okay yeah good yeah. okay I, I don't i don't remember i cast that out of my mind but <clears throat> and i'm already on to orkney oh right doesn't begin with s and this this is almost <laughs> like unicorn cast well you know yeah pe- people have been asking me for five years six years seven years geez louise what are you in search of and yeah. and Springbank is always mentioned. Oh, right? yeah, That's, of course. Right, always, 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 yep. always. But so is a certain Orkney distillery that yep. doesn't begin with S. Yep, yep, Park of the Highlands. And so to have a cask available to us yeah. is really very exciting. And and let's be clear, though. Uh, the the uh, the astute the astute whiskey buyer those those that that purchase many different independent bottlings and who mm-hmm. do some searches online will start seeing whiskey from the from this distillery here and there some of it has been put in front of brokers and so you're going to see a little bit of it more and more but I think. One of the things that helps make this cask so unique is that it's an XPX cask, ex Pedro Jimenez cask from this Orkney distillery. And who was it? It was the uh, the two chaps from um, Scotch Test Dummies who had asked yeah. about, you know, are we going to do any whiskeys <laughs> matured in XPX? And we couldn't say anything at the time. And here we are now saying it. So this is 2004 Orkney in an XPX. Uh, given the color, I'm going to assume that it's refill. However, exactly. it's got some nice color to it. Yep. And what are you getting on the nose? A little bit of sandalwood. Yeah, yep. And oh, I've been kind of turning it and nosing it, and I've kind of made this, the, the aroma go away a little bit when I first picked it up. It smelled like a fresh saddle. Oh wow! So nice leathery notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and even even a little bit of peating behind it too. Yep. Yeah. Well, off the bat, so I did get that same sandalwood note, but I'm intrigued as to how the peat is interacting with the PX. Like you're getting that that sherry sweetness coming through, but it's it's this. Slight, almost turned slightly musty, in a way. Um, there, there's definitely a musty too. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But there's it also takes, yeah. Go ahead. Takes me back a little bit. Um, I had a friend who who had her own horse. I remember occasionally going horse riding and then getting it back into the barn and taking off the saddle. Yeah, and you've got some of that kind of that sweat, right? That little must that you're talking about. Yeah. But mixing with that beautiful leather note. Yeah. It's, and then I don't know how familiar you are with horse feed, but it, it can have a rich molasses content yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you've got the kind of the cereal with the molasses, but just a richness to it. Yeah. That's what I'm getting coming out of here. Yeah, as well. no, I was, I had two notes in mind, and one was blackstrap molasses, and I'm getting a hint of anise seed. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Oh, very interesting on the nose. Hugely interesting. Yeah. Can the palate live up to this nose? 
is the question. Yeah, let me let me point up let me point out one thing while you take your first sip. For those of you that are Highland Park drinkers who may have never had an independently bottled Highland Park, not to say that this is Highland Park, but just using that distillery as a reference. Um Ooh. easy. Um continue. One of the things that you realize dipping your toe into the independently bottled versions from that distillery is that most of the IB bottlings do not bear much of a resemblance to their standard 12-year-old, 18-year-old, 21-year-old, what have you. It's it's quite, they tend to be quite different because <clears throat> whiskeys from that distillery are are highly, they go through an incredible designing period to give you that, that, that classic note. Um, I don't know how best to, hopefully I, I said that in a way that made sense. You did. I heard every third word because what that's doing on the palate is remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I was, I was tasting colors. Um, that the peatiness on the palate is oh my gosh. not like any peating on a <laughs> just for one of talking about a an Orkney distillery, but that's not like any peating level on any Highland Park standard um, lineup. That it, is it's intense, that is incredibly unique, and that peat meets that PX. And really dances a wonderful dance on mm. the palate. Rich chocolate comes in behind it. Oh yeah, rich nuttiness. Mm. Mm. Oh, you could just oh, wow. We've, we've talked about it with other bottlings as well, but you could pull the cork on a Friday and recycle the bottle on a Monday. Oh yeah, that is. Oh, and 58.6% yeah. alcohol. Yep. It holds that alcohol beautifully. Oh, wow. wow. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, this is... Okay, so... Um, <laughs> this is the point at which Jason worries that we select something too quickly, and so it's a no-brainer, <laughs> but I'm going to think about it. So, uh, Well, what Jason doesn't know... Oh, is that I pre-tasted all of these. So I do, there's a ceremonial tiny take a pull from the little sample bottle that I do. And uh, and I remember tasting this when I tasted this Orkney. And I'm saying, oh my gosh, the flavors on this, the peat and the way it's like, it's in a perfect dance with the sweetness from the PX. Yep. Licorice, all sorts notes in there as well on the palate. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, this this is the thing, and I'm and I'm glad that we're just we're recording this straight and letting the listeners participate in this. This is an example of a cask that I start to get excited <coughs> about selling. Right, I want this to be in store shelves with our name on it tomorrow. Yeah, I want people to talk about the single cast nation Orkney release in 2018 that blew their socks off. Like I am now, I'm moving into light speed on how quickly I want to share this with people. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness, this is gonna sell out in stores in a heartbeat. Holy macaroni! Mm. 
Okay, well, now I get to spend a few months being very impatient about that coming to the United States. Yeah. <laughs> so. Huh. Well, that's two yeses. We made up for our two Invergordon no's with two yeses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the, the universe is now back in alignment. We did, and we even managed to do Tamdu for Special Projects Division and Orkney for retail. retail. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Okay. That was that was beautiful. That was a that was a very successful use of our time. Well done. Yeah, you know, it's also useful when we, you know, commit the time and say no to things. Um, but it's especially useful when we actually get selections out of it. And I'm glad the listeners could could hear some selections from us instead of a couple of rejections. Yeah. And I was just happy to say yes to things too. Say yes to the dress, or in this case, the cask. <laughs> yeah. So while you're rinsing out your glasses there, we will transition into the third portion of this podcast. I will say as we're transitioning, we're not going to cover emails today as we have made that decision. Uh, please get your emails in. We're going to do a listener mailbag. Mm-hmm. The podcast will go live on February 14. Uh, what date did we say to get emails in by? So people would need to get their emails in by January 31st. So they basically have so cool. a so month. The whole month. Yep. Yeah, the yep. whole month of January. And, and as Joshua has said previously, it can be via the email machine, questions at One Nation Under Whiskey. You can reach out via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, we'll give you all of those informations at the end because I can't be arsed saying them all right now. I'm so glad but, that you didn't do that. I, f- I felt like you were a foreigner taking my job. <laughs> I, I, I those are my strawberries to pick, sir. <laughs> you you may do that. Just remember, no E in anything that Joshua says. Um, so so yes, so we will we we want to as we're casting our mind back here. Joshua had the idea. Mm-hmm that we would discuss a whiskey from the universe. From the universe, yeah. That we greatly enjoyed in 2017. Yeah. And then we would talk a little bit about each of our favorite SCN releases from 2017, which, I must say, a bit like picking out favorite interviews... Yeah. It's very difficult yeah. to say this was my favorite SCN release, but in the interests of uh, an end-of-year reflection podcast as we start afresh in 2018, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, a, I had a question, though, because... So, so <laughs> of, course of course I did. Because so we're going to have our favorite whiskey that we tasted in 2017 from the from the general whiskey universe. No, non SCN category. Non SCN, right? And then our favorite SCN. What what I what was not suggested (laughs) was whether that favorite whiskey, if if there are any stipulations to it. 
like, you know, does it need to be generally available in the U.S.? And I would think no. 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 Um, does it need to be only scotch whiskey or only bourbon? I think the answer is no. No. There's a reason I used universe. Yeah. No, That that's good. I think it's good not to bar a particular whiskey due to its uh, availability here or there. It seems kind of unfair to that whiskey. So, Well, given the fact that our listeners may or may not have the bottles that we're tasting anyway... It's. Okay. I don't think it's really here nor there. Okay. I, was just I, hope, I that, hope they have them. Uh, well, yeah, me too. Especially given how damn good they are. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm just curious what each of our selections are. So, I, I know what mine are. I'm curious what your selections are, and I assume you're curious what my selections are. So let's let's do it this way, okay? Let's give notes to one another. And we will oh, try gosh. to guess what oh, it God. is. So okay, so right game. now we're right now we are doing our favorite whiskey that we tasted in 2017 from the general whiskey universe. Yes, correct, 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 correct. Okay, okay so I'm going to pour mine. You, yours has been poured. <laughs> I will also add yep. that my winner of this category, I do not own any of it. Um, and so I, I was unable to pour it. So I've, I, I have added a caveat. Oh, okay. <laughs> favorite whiskey uh, of 2017 from the general whiskey universe that I have on my shelves. Okay. Yes. That, I think that has to be the caveat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so first question, is yours peated? Mine is peated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is yours dark in color? I will show you the color. Oh, my goodness. That's very pale. Okay, very so it's pale. not what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. so it's peated and it's very pale. Yeah. Is it from Kilhoman? It is. Surprisingly enough, it's not from Kilhoman. They, I, okay. There was, I was teetering. I was teetering. Okay, that, that level of paleness immediately looked like Kilhoman to me. Um, big peat punch with uh, very pale. So very clear. So uh, we're dealing with bourbon maturation here? Yes. Yep. Okay. So we've got a bourbon matured Isla. How many questions are you on? I didn't say it was Isla. <laughs> I, okay. That's very... Thank you for clarifying that. I greatly appreciate that. <laughs> I didn't say it was from Scotland. <laughs> that's also true. This is why I'm terrible at this game. <laughs> Um, oh crap! But, okay, so yeah, so those are the so there's my questions. Okay, so now and I appreciate your feedback. Let's hear some tasting notes from you. Okay. So on the nose, um, there's an obvious maltiness to it, right? So okay. I've got some barley coming through. Okay. Sitting, I, feel like I should be writing this down. Yeah, sitting beneath that, a slight ashiness. But then, okay. but then I'm getting this almost key lime pie note. So you've, you've with with a focus on the key lime and a little bit of that buttery crust going on. Okay, so as you're as you're in this moment, yeah. let me ask you: mm-hmm. Is this a brand release? It is. It's brand direct. So okay. so it's an OB owner's bottling. Okay. So I always call OB official bottling. 
Oh, that's interesting. I've always known it as owner's bottling. There you go. Okay. So official bottling, independent bottling. Okay. That, that makes sense. I'm going to switch it. OB is now official bottling for me. Thank you. So I'm, so I'm, so I'm then going to follow up. Given that it's that pale and it's an official bottling and it's got a maltiness with additional layers. Layers. Yep. Is it an Isla bottling? Yes, it is from Isla. Okay. I I think I might know the distillery. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I might have two guesses at this. Okay. Go with your gut. Go with your gut. Okay, here's the gut. Is it Lagavulin? You got a good gut. <laughs> <laughs> just just for the record, my backup was Ardbeg. Because okay. as soon as you talk about a maltiness with an ashiness, I, ashy, I always think Ardbeg. So I, I always do too, and that's why I'm surprised to get that note here. Yeah. Okay, so you've got an OB Lagavulin that's very, very blonde that is your favorite of the year. Is it the Lagavulin for Sheila bottling for 2017? It is not. Because <laughs> I didn't love it. I, I thought it was decent, but it was nothing compared to this. In fact, I I had one bottling that I thought was better than this, but like you, I don't own any of it, so I can't. <laughs> I can't bring it up. It's not the distillery own bottling. It's too light to be the distillery own bottling, isn't it? Well, think about it. Think about it. Okay. So it is the distillery own bottling in 2017? It's not the distillery own bottling. (laughs) Bastard. You totally (laughs) sent me the wrong way on that. I was trying to clear that out and you led me right back to it. But but you're not. Jazz Festival? Boom. Yeah. (laughs) It's the 2016 Jazz Festival bottling. so, So here's the thing. When... We we to destroy the entire spirit of what we're doing. <laughs> no, what? so clearly we didn't have the caveat that it should have been released in 2017. No, it was uh, we taste. <laughs> oh, had to be released in 2017. <laughs> Damn it! <clears throat> uh, still got it first time. <laughs> you know we. I was offered this bottling a few times, and I always passed on it because because of the color and because of its age. I think it's somewhere around 12 years old, and, you know, there may be some older stuff in there. There may be some younger stuff in there. And I always assumed it was just a variation on the, the standard Lagavulin 12-year-old, which is a favorite of mine. Well, very much so. Right? And, and so I've always passed on it. And and then we got to taste it on Isla back in July, and it's a massive fruit bomb. It's offering up flavors that no other Lagavulin, you know, at least in that 12-year category, has offered up. Um, it's so light and fruity and engaging that uh, it took me by surprise, and I like it when whiskeys take me by surprise. So what was your favorite that you do not have on your shelf? Oh my gosh, that is so good! Oh, it's like lemon pinwheels. It's um, if you've ever had that. What's that? The lemon curd. Oh, on, I love lemon curd on butter on butter cookies. Put lemon oh, curd okay. on butter cookies, and that's what you're gonna get right there. Oh my gosh. Um, so back the, to my question before you had your whiskey gasm. 
<laughs> uh, the Kolila 17-year-old unpeated. Ah, yeah. That's oh, become a little bit of a searching out whiskey, hasn't it? And I tried the 18, which just came out, and it's good, but it's not the 17. But you oh, also had the 17 at the distillery next to the yeah. sound of Isla. Yeah, no, I know. It was, it was <laughs> changes a few things. Was, yeah, there was some Justina, romance. Like it's just mm-hmm. changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, my turn, my turn. Okay, so um, let me see the color of it. Remembering the caveat that I don't have my number one on my shelf. So this is, this is my number two. Okay, so a nice dark color to it. So I'm going to assume it's sherry cask matured. Is one component. Is one component. Okay. Oh, so that's interesting. Um, <laughs> is it scotch whiskey? It is. Okay. Sort of a dumb question. Is it peated? It is. It is. Is it from Isla? It is. Okay. Why don't you give me some give me some notes? I think the notes might help here. Wonderfully rich nose. Mm-hmm. Wonderfully woody. Woody. Okay. Sherry comes through on it. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah. Really pleasant dark fruits, a little bit of chocolate. Okay. That smoke interplays beautifully. Uh-huh. With the wood notes. And this is an OB. Yes? I'm glad you asked the question. This is an OB. Okay. So official bottling. And I will add that it was released in 2017 <laughs> to go with the spirit of the game. Okay. Okay. Is it from Kalila? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't taste anything this color from Kalila in 2017. Well, I was thinking of that wine cast release. Huh. Yeah, no. But no, no, that, nope. that's, that's a good point. Okay, uh, official bottling. Is it single cask? Uh, <laughs> no, it is not. It is not. Is it a... St- pa- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Palette. Yep, palette. It is just like the nose. Okay. But that woodiness... Is ramped up. Hmm. It's quite drying on the palate and around the edges. Okay. That's so, one of the things I love about it. So that would suggest it's potentially an older whiskey. It is not. It is not. Okay. So just very <laughs> active sherry oak. And one of the reasons that I like this release is it's doing things that you might expect. That an older whiskey to be doing. Okay, okay. So you said it's partially matured in sherry cask. So this is a sherry cask finished whiskey then. I'll give you more information. It is a marriage mm-hmm. of sherry and wine casks. Okay. This has got to be the <laughs> 11-year-old Beaumore Fijila bottling. You are exactly correct. <laughs> First time. <laughs> It is remarkable to me. You and I have talked at length about Bowmore. The things Bowmore did in the 90s when I fell in love with Bowmore, mm-hmm. they've kind of moved away from over the last couple of decades. Yeah. And in every time they kind of 
suggest they're returning to it, I get excited, and mm-hmm. then they carry on doing whatever they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having having this Beaumore for Sheila bottling just <laughs> made me remember what there is to love about Beaumore. Wow. And one of, one of the very first bottlings I fell in love with Beaumore in the 90s was the Mariner's release. Oh, yeah. Yeah, entry Which level, was, but delicious. Right? But it was older. It was sherry. Oh, no, I'm thinking Beaumore Legend. Yeah, Beaumore Mariner oh, was different. Yeah. Which Bo, which Beaumore Legend, I really was a big fan of Beaumore Legend as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Mariner I really fell in love with. And this 11-year-old is, you know, given that I'm only pulling from my memory banks, but this is like the Mariners on steroids, uh, which I love, love, love. Yeah. So then, in full disclosure, my favorite bottling of 2017, which I also thought you were going to have in your glass today. Yeah. Port Charlotte for Shield 2017. That was... A remarkable whiskey. It was a remarkable whiskey, and I'm looking at the bottle right now, and uh, that... (laughs) What you can't see is Jason giving me the finger... Um, <laughs> Only flipping you the bird is a better way to say it. I am definitely not currently giving you the finger. I am merely flipping you the bird. Wow, you were telling me to fuck off. Yeah, that was on the edge of being my number one, but um, it's it's this Lagavulin surprising me in such a pleasant way. It's that it's stuck with me. So I think a perfect pairing there, and it's it's interesting that we both have our biases, and we both went with Isla. I'm just really surprised you went with 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 a Beaumore. I'm oh yeah, ha- yeah. I'm happy you went with the oh, Beaumore. Yeah. I'm just no, I, I love it. You know, if if this is a, a podcast of a year in review, I absolutely love it when we have that opportunity to. To once again fall in love with with distilleries that mm-hmm. have started doing something different, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was distillery exclusive 2017 for Shield. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. So so moving on, let's let's get our third and final segment wrapped up here mm-hmm. with a, a little SCN pouring. Yeah. So oh, that's interesting. Okay, I'm looking at the color of yours. Oh, this is still the Beaumore. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was just enjoying one more taste of that. <laughs> so with with our different SCN bottlings, we have the choice to choose from either our single cast nation online, special mm-hmm. projects division stuff, um, our retail. And we didn't mention Whiskey Jubilee Festival bottlings if that would fit in anywhere so i assumed not so my choice was not a whiskey jubilee festival bottling mine is mine is not i i decided just to keep it to scn branding yep good 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 Uh, the whiskey jubilee as delicious as it is does not carry scn branding okay okay Can, can i go first on this one yeah 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 Oh, my goodness. So at all my tastings, I do the little hand trick where you pour a little bit of the whiskey into your into the palm of your hand, mm-hmm. make a little spoon, rub it in, do a quick little rub. Smells like alcohol. People all get the alcohol. But if you keep rubbing, keep rubbing, keep rubbing until it goes dry and give a sniff, smells like the barley. And mm-hmm. doing it with this release, 
is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So, okay, so what are you getting from the barley? What's the barley telling you? It's telling me that it was heavily peated. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's what the barley is telling me. <laughs> and now I'm giving you way more information than I intended to give you this early. Okay, so, and it, and it was released. This isn't something we are about to release, okay. yes? It, nope, nope, nope. And I, I double-checked that. When I was making my selection, but no, 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 this is, this has been on retail. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Damn it. Damn it, Janet. Okay. So the next part is show me the color. (laughs) That's pretty pale. Isn't that crazy pale? Yeah, that's crazy pale. Okay. I love how pale it is. Okay. So... Um, Heavily peated, crazy pale on retail shelves. Okay, oh, so give me I, some. I could give you, I could give you one note from the nose, and you will guess which whiskey it is. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm going to lead up to this bright uh-huh. lemon meringue citrus uh-huh. and coastal. For a ten-year-old, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, but but does it <laughs> so well. The the thing is, I had a fifty-fifty chance. It was either that or our Ardmore matured in a Lafroy cask. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as he said retail shelf, <laughs> and I've and and the reason why I felt okay committing to this one. Um, is all year long mm-hmm. I've talked on the podcast about how much I love the Laphroaig distillery. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny when you've you've got a 50-50 shot at calling my SCN release of the year. Uh, we also released uh, online a, uh, a five-year-old yeah. Laphroaig. Yep, yep. Um, and that was clearly in the running for my whiskey of the year as well. Yeah. So. I I definitely have not fallen far from the Laphroaig tree. No. Um, I will say, if I hadn't picked one of our 2017 Laphroaigs, I would have picked our retail Glentalkers. Oh, that makes good sense. That makes really good sense. And yep. so when you just asked me the question about what was the barley telling me on my hands, mm-hmm. I was trying to lead you down a Glentalkers path. And, uh, You're trying to mess with I me? Let, and then I let you know it was heavily peated. <laughs> so my own little game of subterfuge did not work out. But, oh, it smells so great when you rub it on your hands, though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yep, Laphroaig, 10-year-old, the 2006 uh, distillation that we've been selling on yeah. store shelves. 144 uh, the bottles. Last 144 yeah. bottles the last quarter of uh, 2017. So mm-hmm. there you go. Okay. Let me see if I can guess yours now. Okay, let's start with the color. Here's the color. Okay. Okay, I've got a bit of hue. I've got a distillery in mind just from the color. Wow. Okay, so don't don't tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I'm just for the listeners. I'm gonna tell them that I'm already thinking Glenrothes. Okay. So I'm just putting that out there for the listeners. Please continue. Okay. So am I giving you notes? Is that what I'm doing? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So from on the nose, I am getting. It's actually it's it's a note that I had not gotten before. 
So, so whereas mine is the, the slam dunk note, <laughs> yours is not one that will registered. Okay. Um, I'm getting a very interesting note of grape soda. Mm-hmm. Right? So you get a, a little bit of that effervescent kind of tingliness that you get from whiskey sometimes on the nose. Mm-hmm. It's not burning me. But a, um, a grapey quality to it. Okay. Salted caramels. Okay. I, there's there's some notes that I can't say because as soon as I say them, you say, "Oh, it's blah blah blah." <laughs> See, that's not fair. I did that exactly for you. So, so tell me this. So, it sounds like it's not peated. It is not peated. No. Okay. Because I was trying to rack my brain and thinking, did we put anything peated in sherry in 2017? And I don't think we did. I not this year. I don't think we did. I don't think we did. So, okay. So, we're dealing with not peated. And is and I, I have to say, it was a real toss-up between this and a, and a heavily peated whiskey. Um, okay. But there was something about this that really won out. Okay. Um, is this for our retail line? Uh, no. Oh, that that limits it massively. Okay. So, so it's not a Glenrothes, so that's where you're wrong. Okay. Jeez. It's the exact color of our Glenrothes. Okay. I know. I know. Um, you got a grapey note on the best. I'm... So, <laughs> given our activity on Single Cast Nation Online... Um, excuse me. Given our activity on Single Cast Nation Online in 2017, this has to be... Our Glen Murray, or our English Whiskey Company. Interesting. Why do you say that? Because <laughs> I can't think of anything else that color that we bottled online in 2017. Okay, let me give you a couple more. Let me give you some tasting notes rather than nosing notes. Okay. And that grapiness that you got, that grape soda that you got. Mm. Mm. Okay. A massive nuttiness coming through toasted pecans walnut skins dare i say a little bit of pickled walnuts but not so much it's not as savory as that Uh Uh let me take one more taste Mm -mm -mm -mm. okay got some stone fruits coming through Okay, so let, let me let me embarrass myself to the max. Give me the slam dunk notes so that I can embarrass myself by still not getting it. Stewed apricots. Okay. I can't, I can't think. Like it's specifically stewed apricots and and toasted walnuts. All the walnut notes speak to our English whiskey company. There's no way you. Am I right? You're right. <laughs> Thank you. God, I started of an aneurysm there. My eyes started twitching. There was so much pressure on me. Okay. 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 Oh, I yeah. Like yeah. That. You know, it was that Sauterne cask maturation. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, interesting that, uh, and, and I think it talks to the category of malt whiskey in general. The fact that a a non-Scottish distillery would produce our, you know, 
the favorite, my favorite cask from our single cask nation offerings. We put out a lot of casks in 2017. We must have put out, we did two retail releases of six each. Mm-hmm. And we did another, um, oh, how many bad. did we do for single cast nation online? Four or five? No, no, no. More than that. Much more than that. Not for single cast nation online. Lafroig, Glenn Murray, Craig Ellicke, English Whiskey Company is four. There were more than that. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. all in all, you're not right. I don't know. Somewhere around eighteen. We, we must have, and including yeah, including the whiskey jubilee. If you want to throw in those those three as well. So, um, for English Whiskey Company to take your SCN selection of the year is quite an achievement. It it is, yes. and for it's awesome for it to to not be a peated whiskey. Oh, is also yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Well, and hopefully that shows kind of what you and I do as a as a, a, a two headed whiskey industry monster. I have no idea what I'm trying to say here. Um, it's obvious. It's obvious. Is here's me. You know, you could have pegged me on the Lafroigs from the year or a cheeky Wigland talkers. And now we've got you with an English whiskey company with a Sautern uh, full maturation to mm-hmm. it. Those are all very different whiskeys mm-hmm. that were all in the running for our favorites of uh, Single Cast Nation release of the year. So that, that's really wonderful. Uh, out of curiosity, what was your heavily peated uh, runner-up? It was our uh, Croft and Gaia. <sighs> yeah. Did we release that this year? <laughs> no, that was 2016. But oh, was it 2016? You're good at games. What's I'll that? tell you that much. You're good at following rules. You're very good. It <laughs> Our favorite like... release of 2017 wasn't released in 2017. Wow. Well, you're runner-up. You did, you did pick our springtime English whiskey company, which most definitely was released in 2017. For some reason, I had it in my head that Croft & Gaia was early this year and not last year. And you're talking about the crafting gear that says Loch Lomond on it. Correct. June of 2016, it was bottled. June of 2016. All right, there you go. So now it makes sense. (laughs) Edit this however you see fit. (laughs) (laughs) I I have to to stop. No. I'm sorry. You can't. What are you doing? You can't stop. You're nearly there. I wish further. It's a little tiny nine miles. We definitely need to let our listeners go. However, before we do, we, I did tell them that you would give them the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook information. Yeah. And, I did give them the email questions at one nation under whiskey.com. No Ian Whiskey. Yeah. So, should. So, I'm, on, I'm only teasing out your job. I'm not fully stealing it. <laughs> With the pencil? <laughs> So uh, we we do need to let everybody go. However, as a reminder, February fourteenth again we are and this and we'll call this the news. So the news being uh, February fourteenth, we will have a mailbag episode, and we are collecting questions. So send all of your questions to uh, our email, which is questions at one nation under whiskey dot com. You could tweet at us at One Nation Whiskey. You can Instagram at us, at One Nation Under Whiskey, or through Facebook, facebook.com slash One Nation Under Whiskey. Always. Uh, inf- yeah. Oh, uh, oh, what? 
No, no, please finish. Please finish. Always and forever without an E. Please without finish. an E. Go on. I was going to just add that we are seeing the questions coming in and we are uh, yeah. seeing how the episode's going to shape up, but plenty more room for plenty more questions. I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind that if we get even more questions, we'll be able to just give fast answers and mm-hmm. you know do a speed round. Um, we don't need you know three questions that we'll spend the entire episode on. So uh, please, please keep them coming in. Uh, they've started coming in, but more is better yeah. than not more. <laughs> yes. And to reiterate, we do wish all of our listeners a healthy and prosperous 2018, mm-hmm. something we say in Scotland. Um and we thank them for listening in 2017, and we hope that we can rely upon them for their support in 2018. I'll be here. You'll be here. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm I'm going to. Well, this might be an Easter egg afterwards, or we can we can close out the podcast with this. But I am going to tell our listeners a very quick story. Okay. Because you made me laugh. As I so, so often do. So earlier this month, Josh and I were talking about. All of the travel that we've got lined up for 2018. Boy, yeah. And one of our trips is going to be to Scotland. And we'll, we'll be in Scotland uh, around about the 20s, January 20s, we'll be there. And uh, I made an off the cuff remark that we've got so much travel, it's going to be hard to record our podcast. <laughs> However, when we're in Scotland, we're going to have endless hours driving the north, the south, the west, the east. And wouldn't it wouldn't that be the best time to record a podcast? This was off the cuff. I was making a joke. And that yesterday yeah. <laughs> yesterday Joshua Hatton texted me a photograph of our lapel microphones that are going to allow us to record our podcast while we're driving around (laughs) Scotland. (laughs) This is mental and madness. And if I can pull off driving and (laughs) recording a podcast without crashing, it will be a massive achievement. Hence the lapel mic. You know, (laughs) I think, you know, there's this old saying of, Ask, even if you don't know you're asking, ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I thought, yes, I I thought you were feeding me instructions. (laughs) So one one thing that I have learned in 2017 about my business partner, Joshua, is that we are not afraid to spend company money on microphones, microphone arms, mixing stations, Mm -hmm. editing technology, I I want our listeners to know that you pretty much have an unlimited budget when it comes to this podcast. <laughs> well, between the two of us, between the Jews and the Scots, we have this <laughs> awful stereotype of us being, I'll use the term Parsimonious. <laughs> well, I was going to use the, the word frugal and cheap, tight, cheap, tight, you know. And and I thought, why not break that stereotype by dumping buttloads of money into technology? Yeah, and that's that's the other thing for the listeners to know. We are now just selling whiskey so that we can fund this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's not too far from the truth. <laughs> 
so that that was all by way of telling you that we love, love, love recording our podcast. We love that you're all listening to. We love the support that we're getting from all of you. And we continue to have a budget dedicated just to this podcast. Just for you. Um, that makes us zero money, but is a huge amount of fun. And we love communicating with you every two weeks. So, yeah, that, that's a perfect way to say on that note. Cheers. Cheers to a wonderful 2017 and a fantastic 2018. Cheers. <laughs>